You're listening to Rosie on the House. Good morning, Arizona homeowners. Come on with us. It is the first Saturday of the month. It's the 8 o'clock hour. That means we are talking farm fresh with the Farm Bureau. If you miss the 7 o'clock hour, if you live in a market that doesn't carry our Arizona hour, well, first slap them with a wet fish and then go check out the podcast. Rosie had a great interview with Tonto National Bridge. They're still out in the hallway yakking about it. Jan came down to talk pork, so everyone that heard that hour knows that we're going into the pork segment here. Uh, we'll get them back off the air. Gary may have to go grab them. They're just But we've got two great guests in here, Julie Murphy with the Arizona Farm Bureau, and we have a special guest with you. Before we get to that introduction, however, a couple things to clarify. First, if you would like to join the conversation at any point in time, it's one 767 4348 That's 1-888-ROSIE for you. Text questions can be sent to 411-923, and we're already busy communicating there. We had somebody after Jan and Mom's pork uh, recipe, somebody wanted to know where to get salt cured or country cured ham and we did a little research and we sent them to the meat shop in phoenix as well as the pork shop in queen creek if they don't have it they should definitely know who does or you can send an email to info at rosieonthehouse.com we monitor all three of those uh, communication channels in real time during the broadcast and do our best to get them every question answered but if you've got a home maintenance calendar and you're used to following along and you've got the expectation and you're looking at your your uh, excuse me November calendar and it says farm fresh cotton and you're like wait cotton and he's setting up for pork well that was my fault we got him flipped we covered cotton last month so you can go back to the first Saturday in October and listen to a great podcast on cotton and one additional thing I wanted to wrap up on cotton and we'll add back to that link is your blog you posted on Halloween about your 100-year victory? Yeah, 100 years of war victory? Yeah, we can declare victory against the pink bullworm, which is devastating to cotton. But the history behind it and how the farmers kind of shouldered with our scientists and attacked that bug. And we can declare it as of just this last month that we are pink bullworm free from the its devastation on the cotton. Yay! And what that means... <laughs> The cotton farmers save about $24 million annually fighting this right. thing. Right, yep. They're, That's huge. Yep, and we produce a high-quality uh, cotton, especially California and Arizona. So it was pretty neat news, and I'm kind of a nerd as it is anyway, so I can really appreciate that story. But if you read it, you will be amazed, and it's on our blog on azfb.org. And we're going to add that blog into the additional links back Perfect. on that podcast from— October and for everyone that was expecting to hear pork in October well we have it now in November and you've got a special guest uh, Julie Murphy with the Arizona Farm Bureau I'll let you introduce yes. your special guest Tom Miller he's the executive director of the Arizona Pork Council and if there's anyone that knows everything about pork in Arizona it's Tom Miller oh. and he you also were um, for about what 15 to 18 years you actually had your own hog farm here in Arizona so tell us a little bit about the history of pork in Arizona. By the way, this year the USDA announced that it's a $33 million industry in the state of Arizona. Well, thank you, Julie. Uh, well, my history with the Arizona pork industry goes back when I moved here in 
1967. And at that time, I went to work for what was called Arizona Milling, which is now Arizona Feeds. But we were they were just getting the program started to uh, promote pork industry in this state. And that was my job. And, and uh, so I traveled all around the state visiting people that were producing pigs at that time. And we had them. Uh, eventually, we had people in all four corners of, you know, up to north of Prescott, Yuma, up by Flagstaff and the Safford, Wilcox, Tucson, and around Phoenix. We had, at, at one time, we had members uh, in this state, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, California, Nevada, New Mexico, and Texas. And at that time, all the pigs were marketed uh, at the old Cudahy plant, if some of you may remember where that was. It was on East Washington around 48th Street. The building's gone now. But um, we set up a uh, marketing association that uh, actually was kind of the envy of uh, a lot of different state associations because we did it different. We had a, a negotiated agreement with the Cudahy people on how we were going to be paid for the animals. And so we had we had quite a little operation for no bigger than we were. But over time, with for various reasons, poor market, expansion of houses, and all the association dropped in membership down to where we are today, and that's um, we we basically have one commercial producer, and that happens to be the Smithfield Farm that's up at Snowflake, and uh, I kind of laugh because they produce on that one farm virtually the same number of pigs that we did when we had close to 100 members. So that kind of gives you an idea how, you know, how big that operation is. But they they do a great job up there. Um, but like I said, they're probably the only uh, true commercial producer in the state. I can think of one or two others that, that have a smaller operations, but that isn't their real uh, method of, of income. There's a lot of producers out there that, have small numbers of sows that produce show pigs for these the 4-H and FFA kids in the state, and you know they're they're important because they go out there and try to breed the best animals they can for these kids to have in their in their shows. So and they uh, teach husbandry, animal care, yeah. and um, how to run a business. I've got some kids in 4-H and FFA that are already putting together business plans. You don't see that that often in other areas. And the other thing that Tom and I have been doing a little bit more research on, and we've had it featured on Fill Your Plate for some time, is a lot of the smaller direct market pig farmers. Yeah. I think of Tim Wilson with the meat shop right on, to, I think it's 202 West Buckeye Road or Buckeye That's Road exactly, somewhere. I've, I've got it yeah. still open on my web yeah. browser. You can and uh, it. He, he's still raising his own pigs. And uh, then, of course, he's kind of closed loop because he's raising his pigs and he's also butchering them for the market and they're very popular with his customers. I, I've heard on a Saturday morning, I've been there a handful of times, but on a Saturday morning that the line is literally going out the door. So we do have some small direct market yeah. farmer producers, but your history is kind of reflecting that a lot of it's consolidated and, and the Midwest is known for a lot of our pork production. Yeah. We don't even light a candle in comparison to Iowa and Kansas and some of the other Midwest pork places, but it's still pretty neat to be able to say that we're 
we're producing $33 million worth of cast receipts in uh, pork production, and most of that's up north with the Smithfield operation. Yeah, the, you know, it's, there's still there's some, those kind of people out there. And actually, when we were going great and had all these producers, there wasn't that many because they all went to, you know, you could go in there with a pickup load of four or five pigs and take them to Cudahy. But when they closed, that's what ever kind of started the spiral of our industry uh, uh, going downhill. But uh, in the meanwhile, I uh, I had the uh, opportunity and the pleasure in 1987 and 88, I was uh, elected vice president and then president of the National Pork Producers Council. And that's when we were in the uh, uh, 85 Farm Bill is when we passed what was called the Pork Act and that created the checkoff system that we still use today, and that generated income for the whole industry that each animal that goes to market is checked off at uh, 0.4% of its value. So a <clears throat> excuse me, $100 pig is $0.25, cents, but, uh, and that's what generates the, uh, the uh, money for, for, uh, for associations like ours to operate. Um, but it was, uh, it was, a exciting time, a very educational time. Cause we spent, uh, several of us spent a lot of time in Washington trying to, uh, get that legislation passed. And you got a, uh, real quick, uh, thorough lesson on how government operates and it's sometimes kind of scary, but anyway, we got <laughs> it done and, uh, and it's been, uh, been with us ever since then. And that's where we also, uh, uh, came up with the uh, pork the other white meat slogan, which proved to be over the years uh, one of the most successful advertising campaigns of anything. And uh, and we still use it today. The well, other they've meat. taken it out now. They've got they're working on a new slogan. But you know when I go around at different events, and I you know they I tell them who I am. People still say, "Oh yeah, pork the other white meat," and yep. uh, uh, so <laughs> it's still uh, still with us. And uh, so it was kind of fun being part of that, and then seeing it seeing it uh, grow and and uh, how important it became. But uh, uh, it it's just been a, a real a real interesting fifty years of my life, I guess you'd say, because we I've seen the pork industry in this state being very small and then it got bigger and then it got small again and then like I said we have the uh, Smithfield bought that farm up at Snowflake from Hormel it's almost two years ago now but um, so I have to personalize this kind of run on history in the pork industry uh, here in Arizona so Tom Miller is my f was was my 4-H pork <laughs> Uh, swine leader. That's dating and, me now. <laughs> it's dating me too. And this was when we were growing up. Um, so my family, we farmed in Maricopa and Tom Miller, the swine 4-H pork leader, you guys were in Casa Grande, but... Um, oh, I was in, I was in Maricopa. oh, you were in Maricopa too. Okay. So, but through that whole experience, and this is what continues to occur today, is these young people were taught animal husbandry, uh, we have to keep record books. So by the time some of these 4-H and FFA kids have cycled out because of aging out of these programs, 
they can basically put a business plan together. And it's one of the things that has helped us be the next generation in agriculture. Have you seen the little biggies crawling in the dirt? And for all the little biggies, life is getting worse. Always having dirt to play around in. Gary, you can find the songs that are so appropriate for these shows. Thank you. And that leads to the lyrics of that song, uh, Misconception That Pigs Are Dirty. Right. They're actually supposedly one of the cleanest animals, but I still have a hard time figuring that one out, especially because they're always rolling in the mud if they're in one of your smaller farms where they're... But today, and that's one of the segments that we thought we'd share, is the We Care program that the pork industry has instituted, highlighting a lot of the humane care and high-quality settings and environments that our pigs live in today. If you went up to Smithfield and you saw their barns, they're in these climate-controlled, environmentally controlled, air-conditioned barns. Uh, In fact, I think some of those pigs are living better better than us because I I don't have a nutritionist that tells me how to eat. I have to figure that out for myself. But, Tom, you can tell us a little bit more about that. Well, you know, there's the old myth that pigs like to lay around in mud, and that's, well, it's just not true anymore. Um, that was to control body temperature. Yeah, you know, mainly have they would, when you, like when I grew up in Iowa, they, a lot of people had them outside, and and uh, they did that to keep cool. But um, I use the analogy, if you had a great big, if this room was three times as big, and you had 25 pigs in it, and their feeders were on one end, and drinkers were on the there. They would not be relieving themselves around that feeder. They'd be at the other end of the pen. So that's uh, why they're considered. Uh, they're so they're very, very clean. clean if you give them a chance. Uh, but it, the, today, most of the commercial farms are are uh, environmentally controlled, uh, especially in the Midwest, where you've got hot weather and cold weather, and they have to uh, alternate between them. But the 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 other thing too is all the pens um, in these barns are on floors that the droppings fall into a collection area, and that that's uh, it keeps the pens clean. And uh, and it's just you know you walk into these barns, and it's just it's just a clean environment. That's and then when the babies are born, um, they're in pens that are uh very clean and the the places for the babies to to um sleep where they're you know away from their their mothers cuz some of them are, the mothers are careless and so um it's just the the way these pigs are taken care of today is um it's totally different than the concept that a lot of people have and as my presidency was winding down back in 88 we were coming up with a what we called at that time a port quality assurance program, which was to uh, promote um, producing quality animals the right way. And that's evolved into what they call now the We Care program. Um, And it's been 10 years. And I'll just read off the six uh, criteria on that program for producers. Um, 
so I won't get them wrong. I'm going to read them. Um, it's to produce safe food, protect and promote animal well-being, ensure practices to protect public health, safeguard natural resources in all of their practices, and provide a work environment that is safe and contribute to a better quality of life in their communities. And that's uh, the people that have signed on to this program, which I think there's 70-some thousand pr producers that are in this program now. And the, and the whole, whole idea is to uh, try to communicate with the consuming public that the pigs are uh, being produced in the correct way. Uh, you know, I get people say, oh, they feed them a lot of hormones and antibiotics. and That's not true. Uh, they don't get any hormones. Pigs do not get any hormones, period. And the antibiotics now we've we've uh, signed on with, not signed on, but agreed with the USDA that uh, the, the limited amount of antibiotics in feed is mainly just babies that are just weaned. And they just have a little bit in there to kind of help them get over that stress. And then they're withdrawn. They don't get fed uh, any of that later on in life unless, there's, unless they get sick. But... Uh, uh, you know, you try to you, you want you want the, the public to be confident that they are getting a, a safe, healthy, and nutritious product, and that's what this is all about. And it's starting to really take a hold. And then the uh, uh, practice this year is to try to really get out and promote this to the public uh, more than we have. But uh, um, I can tell you, I know a lot of producers from all over the country because I still travel back and forth to different meetings, and every one of them are, are uh, that's their whole aim in life is to to produce their product like this. And if you stop and think about it, if you're raising them on a commercial basis, that doesn't make sense not to. Um, you know, you want your animals safe. You want them in a good environment. You want them fed correctly. Uh, you want them taken. You want them uh, the treatment of them uh, to be well. Because why would you mistreat something that you're raising to make a living? That's a. And I, you know, when on my years of production, I had a couple of employees that I uh, caught mistreating animals and uh, got rid of them. I got rid of them. One yeah. of them, I moved him to a different job because he had a family. This little piggy went to the market. This little piggy stayed home. This little piggy. Let me jump into some pig facts. Yes. It's not on this sheet, but it is widely speculated. And, and when we get to the end of this, you're going to realize the quality of life pigs bring to you that you didn't even realize. But it's widely speculated. Augustus McCray may still be alive today if kicking a pig wasn't so important to his quality of life. <laughs> yes. Lonesome Dove fans out there yes. got that. If you know. he, he may have had a reason to hang on. So you have when, uh, tell us some of your fun facts. These you, are yours. Well, they're mine, but <laughs> I want to hear the ones that you really like. Well, first of all, I would have eat without uh, without stopping to think about it. If someone said, "What's the most widely eaten meat?" I would have said chicken. Right. There's so many breeds. There's so many. Uh, the the production rate over and over, but that's not the case. It's pork. It's pork. If worldwide, you, most worldwide. widely eaten meat. Mm -hmm. How many pigs you think that is a year? <laughs> oh, he's formulating some numbers in his head. <laughs> I can see. 
Uh, Valley Forge, it was key victory there. That was the main meat for Washington's troops. The yep. Continental Army was pork. What do you think they would have done if they didn't have the pork? What, Might have how been, would you forge that Valley winner? <laughs> they <laughs> could have been had a whole it different tough story as it without was. the pork. Yeah, they had it tough as it was. So can you imagine? And this is a when you were talking about pig care, Tom, Mr. Miller, going into the bottom of the hour news and getting rid of employees that weren't treating them right. One of the key signs when you walk into any farm or any commercial production of livestock is you can tell a, a, a happy animal is a quiet animal. Yes. Uh, you know, it, they are very noisy when they're not happy. A pig's uh, squeal can range from 110 to 115 decibels. A Concorde jet is usually around 112. <laughs> That's a pretty impressive squeal. It is. <laughs> well, and you've heard those hog calling contests, so people can squeal pretty loud too. <laughs> uh, insulin is derived from pigs, along with uh, 40 other medicines. Yes. Uh, the pork industry is very important to Americans and very important to the global economy, not only because pork meat is healthy meat and it's good for us to eat, but all the medical um, things that the pork industry generates for us because of producing these animals. So it's pretty well, neat. The, the digestive pit, uh, system of a pig is very similar to a human being. And uh, not that this has anything to do with digestion, but they used to, they've gone away from it now, but there was a time when they used heart valves out of pigs to put into people. And, uh, and even, I think they've even transplanted hearts, uh, pig hearts, but now they've gone, they're more sophisticated. But uh, pig was used a lot in medical, in medical practice in years past. I was oh. going to say, I have a friend that uh, just had a, a heart valve replacement with a pig valve, and yeah. he, he's doing yeah. fantastic. Awesome. He yeah. caught a bigger fish than I did. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yay. He's doing fantastic. Yeah, there's all sorts of interesting things that, the pork industry produces for us. Uh, pigs can run a seven-minute mile. I didn't think they could sustain a run for an entire mile, but that's impressive. Those little short legs. That's so about how many that's steps a new that one is. On me. So about two weeks ago, maybe it was three weeks, three Saturdays ago, we had the race and bacon event to raise money for Arizona Farm Bureau's <laughs> educational farming company, which is a 501c3. And that money we use for a lot of our educational things, especially for students. But we had pig races, and there were five little pigs, and this little teeny pig that was only about two or three months old, he kept beating all the other guys. So, yes, pigs can run fast. When you were talking about the $33 million attributed to the pork industry in Arizona, that's not all just on sales of meat. That's also uh, includes the feed that well, actually, no. It's according to the USDA, it's the cash receipt. So, so I would imagine it would be yeah. much um, bigger when you calculate that a 250-pound mature pig that that took 600 pounds of corn and 100 pounds of soybeans. Yes, per yes. pig. Yeah, 700 pounds of feed per pig. It's a, it's most it's, all that out here. If you're, and most all of them are fed corn and soybean rations. That's just pigs are almost not required, but they're you got to have soybean in their in their ration. It just makes it better, and most all of that's imported from 
in the Midwest. The Midwest. Uh, pig country, though, is truly in the in the Midwest, too. I mean, we're, uh, like we said, we have the one commercial facility here, and that's not including all of the producers that raise pigs for 4-H and FFA. And then also, like I was mentioning, Tim Wilson with the meat shop or the or the pork shop, by the way, in Queen Creek. Or sometimes they're, these smaller outfits are raising direct market. But I still am amazed at what we contribute here in Arizona agriculture with just in this particular industry and what we're talking about right now is pork. Well, as I mentioned earlier, we're financed by the checkoff system that when the pigs go to market, all of them that come from Arizona, all these that, that here, they go to Los Angeles now, but they they know which ones came from Arizona. So we get a, a checkoff money from the pork board every month. And uh, I kind of chuck. I get a report every month that tells how much money each state got. And, it's, uh, and I look at Iowa's, Iowa's one-month checkoff dollars equal probably three to four years of ours. And then it's one month. That's the and difference. one month, just because the, they're so the big. Of, uh, and those checkoff dollars, just so our listeners understand, they that's for marketing, for research, and promotion. The on pork behalf- says we have to be for promotion. Research and consumer information. That's it. Yep. And that's all we can use it for. And so those dollars from our pig farmers, whether they're small, medium, and large, yeah. if they're part of that checkoff, yeah. it's going into one big pool so that we can improve on our research, uh, we can understand um, all sorts of neat things about the pork industry. Yeah, we don't do a lot the- of research out here because there's nobody researching pigs out here. We've, in the past, have done a been a long time past we've done a couple projects at the u of a but uh they don't do much of that anymore but in the midwest they they do a lot of research dollars right now pigs are one of the smartest animals in the barn as well as the best sense of smell which makes sense they got a big old schnoz you might as well use it (laughs) exactly (laughs) yep and they use that a lot for digging out in the wild Mm -hmm. there's an old farm trick if you've ever had like your own stock tank or um, you know, something of that nature. There is, and if you try and contain water at some point or another, it's going to leak. Yeah, whether it's piping in your house, uh, water out to your tr- pig troughs, it, water does not like to be contained and it will find its way out eventually. Well, an old trick to repairing um, a cattle tank that's leaking water out the bottom is you let it get down to its lower level where it's still muddy and just turn a bunch of pigs loose and all that rolling and compacting will repack the base of that stock tank with a hard packed mud, pull the pigs out, let it fill back up and it's it's fixed your water leak out the bottom. That's why I like it. I'll give you a good example of how smart they are. (laughs) Uh, We had, they were called nipple drinkers and they just screwed into a half inch fitting and there was a little nipple sticking out the end of it. When they hit that, the water would flow out. And so they drink. And one day I was in my barn where we had the mothers and their babies, and I could, this spray was coming up. I thought, well, there's a leak someplace. I looked down, this mother had put her nose on the end of that nipple and was spraying that water up over her head. Just uh, to she stay figured cool. that out all by herself. <laughs> <laughs> they are smart. And at the Arizona Port Council, your your function for well, one more thing before it goes. 
um, to the pork council, the, all the other byproducts. I mean, when we think pig, you think big old ham. You know, I love a honey baked ham, big mm-hmm. old glazed ham. Uh, your pork loins, your pork ribs. Uh, it's a very versatile meat. We have a we just released a, a video on that on Facebook and also on our website, and it's pork. Oh, the possibilities! And it's, you're speaking of all the varieties of the cuts of pork and all the ways you can. One of my favorite tacos is a pork taco. Yeah, shredded. So yeah, shredded pork tacos. Mm. And that's just food. Here's some of the other things that we rely on. You know, once the animals harvest, we're not just consuming the meat uh chewing gum other animal feeds leather and football pigskin uh glue combs buttons plastics paintbrushes plywood adhesive that's kind of the same as glue insulation upholstery cosmetics antifreeze cellophane floor waxes cement crayons chalk Matches, putty, and linoleum. See, some of those things I wouldn't have ever thought of. Oh, I wouldn't either. (laughs) That's why I come to Rosie on the House on Saturdays, because I learn a lot. (laughs) I'll tell you, one of the best-kept secrets, and you can't hardly get them out here unless you order them, is what you call a fresh ham. It's not cured. It's just comes off with nothing done to it. And that is really... A good piece of meat, but you have to order them special because there's enough of them. In the Midwest, you can buy them. So and I the, bet uh, the pork shop or the meat shop might have them. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you would. Oh, my goodness. The orders well, are going to start coming. How did the pig tracks get on the ceiling? Spider pig, spider pig, does whatever a spider pig does. Can he swing from a web? No, he can't. He's a pig. Look out. He is a spider pig. Over a third of the fat in bacon is the same as the healthy fat found in olive oil, which is known to lower cholesterol levels. I feel a whole lot better about the four pieces of bacon I had at Parsons Restaurant on the way in this morning with my <laughs> biscuits and gravy. Bacon and eggs. <laughs> just go ahead. Bacon and eggs. Um, Charmin uh, sent posted a little comment on Facebook when I was announcing we were going to be on the show, and of course, you know, she has to promote bacon and eggs goes well together, so you. If you're going to have breakfast and you're going to have pork, you got to have your eggs. So, And you got to have your toast with a little bit of honey drizzled on yes. top from Crockett's. You know, it's funny. I remember our personal stories growing up about being in 4-H and FFA. And the first go at it when I was in 4-H, I tried beef. Complicated. That animal ended up being twice as big as me, of course. Three times as big as me. And I thought, after that, I'm going to try pork. And I... Had a pig every, every year. I had a 4-H pig, and I never looked back. <laughs> and like Tom was just saying on the break, they're very friendly, and you can watch them grow. And it was it was pretty fun. And but they have to be exercised. They yeah. have to be extra exercised. We named our pigs. We would walk them every day, especially that 30 days before the fair. And well, once you get them trained to walk, they're pretty easy to walk. But getting them trained is a little sometimes of a challenge. Right. But uh, once you get them trained and they know what they're going to do, they just go right out there. And, and uh, it makes it, if you don't walk them, when you get them in the show ring, you got a real job on your hands. But uh, it's, uh, no, they're a fun animal to be around. And it, it just, uh, I, I look back on the days when I was raising them and I enjoyed it a lot. And 
and uh, and then when we were we kept I kept a few purebred sows and so I would uh, try to breed those and create different not different types of animals but change some of the muscular structure in them and and that was fun and that's the other nice thing is that the gestation p- uh, period of a a pig is very short compared to cattle, and uh, so you you breed them, and it seems like just a couple of few days later they're having babies. And, and uh, in fact, it's what 114 days. The adage was of three months, three weeks, and three days oh, is a gestation okay. period. Yeah, that's quick, and it goes by in a hurry. So um, they, they were fun. They were a fun animal to raise, I thought. So, after all this talk about pork. I'm hoping that our listeners are hungry. They need to go to fillyourplate.org because you can source for, like we've mentioned, some of those direct market farmers that uh, still raise their own pork and will carry it to the end by harvesting it. That's the meat shop in Phoenix. We've also got the pork shop in Queen Creek. It's well known. In fact, if you go to the pork shop, stop by the Queen Creek Olive Mill. We've got Schneff Farms along that. I kind of call that uh, Farm and Ranch Country Row out in Queen Creek. So there's a lot of neat things that you can see, and right now during the fall is perfect. But another thing on fillyourplate.org that I always encourage everyone, especially if they want a special pork recipe, is to source through our recipes because you can select pork, and up will pop anywhere from 30 to 35 specific pork recipes, and a lot of them are provided to us from the Arizona Pork Council. We've uh, made a, an intentional purpose to share some of the recipes some of these amazing pork recipes from the pork council just because they've fine-tuned that and honed it and crafted it to share some very very good recipes and tommy you talk about a website a lot that well we got azpork.org and it'll direct you back into pork.org um let me just say one more thing about pork the pork shop um the very first day I visited Arizona, this guy took me on a tour around the Phoenix area. And Greg Combs, who has a pork shop, his dad was raising pigs right there where that is. That, he was one of the first people I met when I came down here. And uh, so they've been out there a long time. They don't raise pigs there anymore, I don't believe. But uh, uh, he's he's had that shop for a long time, and he's just he does a great, great job. He really does. My dad was just there this week getting his uh, monthly supply of sausage. <laughs> I, I would add that uh, Thanksgiving's two and a half weeks away. And uh, turkey, ham, turkey, ham on a lot of tables. Yep. And y'all, right at pork.org, I'm sure this is on Fill Your Plate too, but you've got the apple and cornbread stuffed pork loin. That looks like something we're going to have to try. Um, the And then y'all have got a great little diagram there as well on what temperatures for the different medium rare medium medium well and well a range of 145 to 160 degree fahrenheit in the center but the entire goal of this hour is back to fillyourplate.org and connecting the arizona homeowner in this outdoor living hour we start the first saturday of the month with the ag department arizona farm bureau comes in and we talk about you know uh 
these things on a commercial scale, people that grow it. The second Saturday, we talk trees. The third Saturday, we bring it back to local gardens. And the fourth Saturday, we talk urban farming so that people can get an understanding and appreciation for, you know, things that we just take for granted daily. Uh, you know, you could go to any grocery store. I don't know how many between all the different branches that there are and all the different meat shops and just pick up a piece of pork and walk home and not think anything of it. This will help you get a better understanding of where it comes from, how it's prepared, the care it's taken, and connect the local Arizona consumer to the local Arizona farmer who's raising it. Exactly. The commitment for us is to make that connection, and one of the neatest places is on fillyourplate.org because we've got about 150 farmers that are more of your direct market or your retail farmer. It makes a difference. AZFB.org. That's all, folks.